Hello, hello. This is the Montpelier Happy Hour here on WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM. I am your host, Olga Peters, and my guest or co-host today, partner in crime, as we like to say, is Emily Kornheiser. Hey, Emily. Hi, Olga. So nice to be here on another Friday. Haven't we been having, I know in New England, it's such a joke that we're always talking about the weather, but haven't we had really glorious weather recently? We really have. And it took me a little bit to get used to it, but I have settled into the relief that can be autumn. Yes, I love autumn. Mm -hmm. It's my favorite time of year. (laughs) So, hey, we are hoping that James Haslam from Rights and Democracy will be joining us on the show later today. In the meantime, hey, Emily, what has been on your plate for democracy this week? On my plate for democracy this week? Well, um, let's see. There's been a really fun mix of like, what does it mean? I've been thinking a lot about what it means to be a legislator legislator mm-hmm. in the context of like what events I go to and feel engaged in and then which places are not necessarily like somewhere that I need to be, but I just sort of attend through force of habit. Mm-hmm. So where can I be useful, right? Right. And so we last week we talked about sort of state power town power federal power right and so i'm trying to really be clear with myself that as i make decisions about my time i bet that's james oh my goodness keep talking and i'm gonna answer the phone okay so trying to get clear about how i spend my time and whether that's a place that i can really be of use rather than just there and so this afternoon, um, I'm really excited. I'm going to be going to an opening of a distillery because I know that's, you know, a part of our economy that's become really powerful for better or for worse um, and making a lot of really interesting sort of value added food jobs. And then there's the Planned Parenthood open house. And so some of that's just showing up to say I support something. Um, but then really knowing like where are the places that we need to tweak legislation or tax policy so that um, those industries can grow where Planned Parenthood can feel safe being on, you know, really a downtown footprint. So those are the things I've been thinking about and working on this week. That's really, thank you for sharing that, Emily. And just so the listeners know, James Haslam has called in and I've got him on hold. We'll bring him on in just a few minutes. But before we do that, I wanted to... um, kind of share what I've been thinking a lot about and that is not so much democracy but community narratives Mm. and what does it mean I mean we always hear in self-help books and stuff oh the stories you tell yourself about yourself and how it shapes your life but I think sometimes about the community stories we tell about Brattleboro because Brattleboro has been kind of wearing me out lately and there just seems like a lot of going around and I'm starting to think about, well, what stories do we tell about ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, oh, I don't go downtown because it's not safe anymore. Or, oh, we're special and therefore we don't need to do something around climate change. You know, these are all different stories I've been hearing recently. But it makes me wonder, like, if Brattleboro really wants to change its course, does the community need to start telling itself different stories? That's a really good question. It is. It is. (laughs) And I agree. I think we do need to tell ourselves different stories. I think we need to 
find our strength-based stories Mm -hmm. um, and not just as a way of, you know, pushing off the badness and ignoring it. I think what we need to do is figure out like what are the resilient aspects of this community that have helped it to survive and thrive for so long and how are we going to carry those into the future or what are the strengths that we need to shift and like really lift up Mm -hmm. to help us move into the future. And I think there are so many of them. Yeah. We have more than we realize, I think. I think absolutely. Well, that brings me to my the mocktail I'm I'm drinking for this this Montpelier happy hour, which is lemon mint iced tea, and it's lemon juice and mint tea bags, you know, steeped, tea steeped, and then honey or maple. I usually maple to to taste. Um, but what I like about it, it's very fall. You know, you got your yellow, you got your green from the mint, you got you got the brown, the golden brown. But also, there's something about this drink. It's so simple, but it feels very luxurious to me. Mm. And it reminds me of slowing down and just kind of really enjoying life. And I think that's important because just because we are doing a lot of hard work in this town, it doesn't mean we have to be hard on ourselves or on others. So that's my cocktail for the day. I love that. Thank you. My cocktail for the day, I had a better lead in a few minutes ago on, but, <laughs> you know, I'll forgive you for that. Um, it's about settling into fall. And for me, the incredible relief that comes from not feeling like I need to do some like Vermont recreation hustle anymore. Because during the summer, I spend all of my time feeling guilty that I'm not hiking and biking and kayaking and frolicking by the <laughs> late riverside and it's not that I do those things I just feel like I'm supposed to be doing them and I'm not doing them so once fall comes I can appreciate the simplicity of a glass of whiskey with just one ice cube in it and I think that simplicity that's just so there with us and straightforward and that settling in a fall we could use in this community right now to say we can just do one thing at a time perhaps we can sit on a stoop Appreciate our neighbors, not while drinking whiskey. No. Of course. No public drinking, please. (laughs) But that simplicity, I think, is really something that I'm looking forward to embracing as the weather shifts. Wonderful. We're going to go to some short uh, messages from some of our underwriters, and we will return with James Haslam from Rights, Rights and Democracy. That was James Haslam from Rights and Democracy. It was so wonderful to have him on the show today. So, Emily, what right now is your takeaway from our conversation in the last few minutes we have in the show? My takeaway is really, I mean, it's probably getting boring to our listeners, but um, my (laughs) takeaway has really been a consistent thread across these weeks is that we need to find the technologies. And by technology, I mean the tools and skills to get more people into conversation about these issues with each other. So we need different forums in different places around our community. We need to get people organizing and showing up and participating and communicating with each other in a different way than we have been. Yeah. So that the issues that we're focused on, whether that's through activism or through governance or whatever it is, are really representing the interests of everyone involved in Mm -hmm. our communities. And we need... Uh, what I keep going back to is this thought of, of popping the bubble and how do we get folks who right now might be opposed to some of the ideas or some thoughts or some of the changes, but, but to, or, or to take someone who might be an opponent and make them an ally Mm -hmm. because 
I know it's hokey, but I really feel that if you dig down deep enough, you will find the common ground of where both people want to get to. I agree. Cause, and for me, it's actually not digging deep down. It's like looking far up. It's that we all want to live in thriving, mm-hmm. resilient communities. Mm-hmm. And I think when we disagree on tactics or policies to get there, that's often because we're coming with very different frames to the table. And right. so when we unpack that a little bit, we can see we can find common ground on this sort of path to a thriving community Mm -hmm. where everyone's needs are met. And I feel too, we have gotten used to looking at politics and policymaking as someone wins and someone loses. Mm -hmm. And that going back to that fear and scarcity model that if someone else gets more rights, I get less. If someone Mm -hmm. else gets more money, I get less. Um, If someone has a good roof over their head, then mine won't be. Um, and that is just something I think at the very core of a lot of us, we, we need to find a way to, to kind of break that open. Mm -hmm. Something I come back to really regularly is, um, many, many years ago, I did a lot of work in South Africa and I was very aware when I was there of how, um, both the history of apartheid and, um, racism and the incredible economic inequality that resulted from that Mm -hmm. really created a profound culture of gender inequity and also created communities that weren't safe for anyone living in them. Mm -hmm. And so seeing that degree of inequity and the way it played itself out wasn't even good for the people at the top, Mm -hmm. right? And so we see in study after study after study that a community that has less income inequality is a community where everyone's better off, where the economy is better, where people are safer, where health outcomes are better. And so people don't need to want these things for altruistic reasons. I, you know, everyone's moral compass is their own and we're going to spend the next, you know, we're going to spend a month talking about, you know, Uh moral compasses (laughs) and legislation. But we can want these things selfishly and still agree on that same outcome and those same strategies. So yeah, Mm -hmm. just bringing more people into conversation on this. I'm curious when you are at the legislature and you know, I'm lucky as a journalist, part of my job is to, to sit back and witness. And, and so I tend to hear a lot of different voices Mm -hmm. and I, I love that personally. Um, But I don't have to necessarily speak to any of those voices. I just need to witness. So for you, when you're in the the legislature and you're working on policy and you have someone who doesn't agree or doesn't want X, Y, or Z, Mm -hmm. how do you um, try to build allyship there? Or or do you not try to? So witnessing is actually really important for me, too. Um, Mm -hmm. In the social work that I've done, I think of, you know, I... I can't change communities overnight. I very rarely um, have a right or an opportunity to change someone's direct life. And so in some way, it's really just witnessing the suffering of the world, social Mm -hmm. work is. And so um, my role in the legislature often feels very similar to that, is Mm -hmm. witnessing people's perspectives, witnessing history happening. Um, And so I often when things get very tough and I feel, you know, during the hearings for H57, um, mm-hmm. I was certainly not, it was an issue that I really knew that there was no way I was going to change my perspective on it. It's something I've done a lot of research on. I've thought about a lot. I feel very, very personal about, um, but going to all of the hearings was really important to me to be, to witness everyone's perspective. 
um, and to hold that in my heart as I was making my vote. Um, for most other issues, I think it's really policy making and legislation is so complex and you mm -hmm. pull one lever and you don't realize what else is going to happen because you pulled that lever. So I feel like even, you know, if I disagree with someone on their end game or the frame that they're bringing to the table, often there's information there that will help me understand the longer or short term mm -hmm. impacts of a particular policy lever. So even though most people show up to testify in committee with a for or against perspective, that doesn't mean they're not bringing piles of nuance to the table. Right. And right. so I see my role there as someone who's there to like really unpack the nuance, unpack the details um, and let go of the frame. Mm-hmm. We, we in the newsroom call journalism the first draft of history. Mm. And what I always love about that is because it reminds me that next day could be different. Yes. And I think that's something I often hold is like, this might be what's happening now. It might be what's important now, but tomorrow could be something different. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Next week, we, um, we might have a guest. We don't know yet. But definitely tune in because Emily and I have a few things planned to, to talk about and to revisit and um, basically just keep pulling back the layers of the democracy onion. Because sometimes it's yummy if you cook it just right, and sometimes it's kind of sneaky, stinky. There's this amazing. I know you're trying to wrap up, but I just want to get this last point in. No, do it. There's um, <laughs> The Tin Drum, which is a novel by Gunter Grass, yeah. which is um, his other books are really just totally unreadable in my perspective. But um, The Tin Drum is one of those books that comes back to me over and over and over and over again. And there's this scene right after the war where the lead character is performing, is drumming on stage, and mm -hmm. all of the guests are given an onion and a cutting board. And this is in post-war Germany. And um, they're all supposed to slice the onion while he drums. And it's just the impetus that they need to let all of their tears and their pain from the oh. war just pour right out in community together. Mm -hmm. We should start having onion nights. We should. <laughs> I think I think we could use that here. And then yes. we could make soup at the end. Yeah. <laughs> we will be back next week here with the Montpelier Happy Hour at 2 p.m. on WVEWLP Brattleboro 107.7 FM. In the meantime, you can communicate with Emily and I through Facebook, either the Vermontitude Facebook page or the Vermontitude SoundCloud page. And then also, Emily, you have some other ways people can reach you. EmilyKornheiser.org, Emily Kornheiser on Facebook, E.K. Kornheiser on Twitter, and Emily Kornheiser on Instagram. Or you can just stop me in the street. That always works, too. <laughs> Have a great weekend, everybody.